This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome into The Step Back, a new podcast on Fansided. You're going to be able to find it on all of the podcast apps coming up. We're going to be with you every single week. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. I'll tell you a little bit about myself in a second. I've also got Brady Hawk with me. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305 and we'll do his bio as well. But basically, The Step Back is going to be a weekly podcast. That's what we're going to start with here again on all of the podcast apps. We're going to go around the NBA. Brady and I are hosts of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network, of which I'm the CEO. But that is focused almost entirely on the Miami Heat and everything in the NBA that relates to the Miami Heat. We're not going to ignore the Miami Heat here, but they're just one of 30. We're going to get into all of the other teams. We're going to break down the teams the same way we do on Five on the Floor. But we're also going to have special guests from around the NBA, many of the people that I've worked with throughout the years. Uh, Brady, let's do this and then I'll get to my bio, but just tell people a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into this and and uh, and again, what what you can provide here uh, for listeners of the step back. Yes. Yeah, so pretty much, uh, I guess my resume won't be as fun to describe as yours because you probably have a, a deeper dialogue, but uh, pretty much I'm old. I, I, just say it. I'm old. That's OK. <laughs> I didn't say anything, but uh, I pretty much uh, came to uh, you guys in five region sports at 16 years old. Uh, trying to just get started uh, in any way I can, writing-wise, uh, podcast-wise, anything along those lines. Uh, three years later, I'm now 19. Uh, like you said, it's doing stuff around the Miami Heat specifically, and that's pretty much my background. Like It's just been a lot of like playing basketball growing up, obviously being on the younger side, not much uh, on the media side, but uh, I know that the new topic nowadays is new media. So I guess more of my style is just more uh, of the film side of things and the X's and O's side of things. Uh, and I always like to give a shout out to Nikias Duncan because uh, I just like his style. Uh, and I obviously he's been somebody that's helped me out a ton uh, with things over over the last few years just because I like his enjoy his insight and his style. So uh, that's kind of what I, I bring to the table. And that's kind of what I look to do here because uh, the first time covering the NBA as a whole. So it'd be cool to like, like you said, the Heat are now just one of 30. They aren't just one of one like we're used to. And Nikias that you mentioned, he's done some work with us over at Five Reasons, also with Miami Heat Beat, and now is the co-host of the Dunker Spot podcast, which is now a top 10 podcast in the country pretty consistently on the basketball side, along with Steve Jones Jr. And Brady is going to do a lot of the stuff that Nikias does. And what Brady's going to do here is being a little modest here because he's gone from about 50 followers to, what, 20,000 now in two years he has his own following. Everybody wants him to take over the Five Reasons Network from me. Uh, but basically what we're going to do with him is we're going to do a segment called The Playback every week. And instead of, again, doing it on The Heat, which he does videos for our Five Reasons uh, YouTube channel and also for Twitter, he's basically going to take two teams every week and break them down. So what's going right, what's going wrong um, is the type of content, again, that you're not going to get anywhere else. We're going to try to get away from some of the narrative stuff. We will do narrative stuff here on the podcast. We know obviously there are big stories that go on in the NBA. I have guests from around the NBA that we're going to bring on, national writers. Our first episode 
Actually, going to be joined by Vinny Goodwill, who's a national NBA writer uh, from Yahoo Sports. And we'll get many others on as we go. So something happens. Draymond Green gets in a fight. Player may get traded. OK, that kind of stuff. Uh, what's going on with, uh, you say, Bradley Beal once out of Washington? Those kind of situations, we will get into them with national writers from around the country. Also, uh, from writers and from other content creators from fansided, because a big thing that I believe in, and I'll get to my bio, bio here in a second, is providing opportunities to those who deserve opportunities, but the modern media landscape has changed. You don't do what I did when you came out of school. I went to grad school, uh, Columbia. I graduated with a master's at 21, and I was covering high schools. That's the way that you did it. And then I did that for a little bit. I worked my way up in a newspaper. I was covering the Miami Dolphins at 24, and I've pretty much been doing this ever since. That's not the path anymore. But a lot of the the younger talent that comes out, they're just looking for places to put their content. But unlike me at the time, who just knew how to write, and it's the only thing I don't still do <laughs> on a consistent basis, they know how to do everything. And whether it's podcasting, YouTube, social media, creating an audience, promoting themselves, and we're just going to provide another platform here with a lot of really talented people that are already with Fansided. We're going to bring others into the podcast and create new segments for them. And we will have a bunch of segments. Like I mentioned uh, with Brady, we're going to call it the playback. We're going to have a nostalgia segment. We're going to call it the way back. We're going to have step forward. We're going to get into some players that need to kind of step up. Okay. During a given week. So we'll go around the NBA a little bit that that way. We're also going to focus every, every episode on pretty much two teams, one in the East and one in the West. So that's how we're, we're not going to try to be all over the place. We're going to focus on the big stories, the teams that are getting attention, but unlike the four-letter network and the other networks that you see, the three-letter network and all the rest of this that just focus on the Lakers and the Nets, we're not going to do that, okay? When they're relevant, like this week, will the Lakers ever make a shot? That might have been a topic. We're not going to do that every single week, though. We're going to give uh, some love to the Suns, to the Bucks, to the Grizzlies, uh, to the Pelicans, to the teams that are you know making an impact one way or the other. They're either disappointing or they're surprising in a positive way. And we're going to try to mix that up as much as possible and bring on the experts from those markets. So I think that'll make it different from a lot of the other podcasts because I don't feel beholden, uh, nor do we at Fansided, to just focusing on two or three teams because we happen to be based in those markets. But that's not the way that we're going to do this. Um, and as, as we mentioned, we're going to have a bunch of dedicated segments uh, to provide content. Just a little bit on my bio, and then we're going to do a quick segment here as we're one week into the NBA regular season. You know, I have covered the NBA in some capacity since 1996, which was actually Pat Riley's first year in Miami or a second season uh, in Miami. And so I've covered the Heat pretty much, you know, for 27 seasons at this point. I covered a lot of Dolphins during that time, wrote for all three major newspapers in South Florida, two of them twice, covered the Big Three era, uh, which is why I left covering the Dolphins, which was a wise decision. Covered the Big Three era home and road. Covered all but three games, including the playoffs during their four-year run. Also went up to ble- uh, to Cleveland. Unfortunately, no offense to my good folks in Cleveland because we're going to be bringing some people on to talk about what's a very interesting team. Probably do that in the first three weeks here. But I spent basically a year up in Cleveland covering LeBron because I was technically the LeBron writer. Um, so I've covered the NBA for a long time. I have a lot of contacts in the NBA. It is my first passion in terms of sports now. It's not what I grew up playing. Um, I grew up playing baseball, tennis. I did not grow up playing basketball. I was honestly too short and, you know, too unathletic to be able to do pull that off at a high level. Um, but Brady's going to bring a lot of that film study in here. And again, I, I know a lot of decision makers in the league and I know a lot of content creators and we're going to lean on them uh, pretty heavily. I have been the host uh, of five on the floor now for the past three years. 
Um, we're proud to say we have a consistently a top 30 NBA or, or even college basketball, any kind of basketball podcast. And we do go as many times as five or six or seven times a week. Now uh, we're not going to do that on this particular podcast, but we will try to grow as we go. Um, that's one of the things that we definitely try to do. Also, you can look for us with video content as well. And we're going to be doing a lot of that and then special interviews, et cetera. But we are committed to this. Uh, we're committed to growing this under the fan sided brand and others like Brady will be brought in as we go forward. All right. We are going to get to one segment here though, because we are a week into the regular season and, you know, we've been kind of paying attention to the heat and their schedule, which has been challenging so far. They're two and three, uh, but some other teams have kind of jumped out a little bit. Some, some again that we expected, I don't think it's a big surprise that the bucks are three and zero, oh, even without Middleton. I don't think it's a huge surprise that the Celtics are three and one or even that Cleveland with the way that Donovan Mitchell has been scoring uh, are at three and one, but I'm looking at some of the others here and, and let's just get into some, some of our biggest surprises so far as again, we're weak into it, but Brady, you look at the Knicks three and one, you look at the wizards three and one. I anticipated the Raptors would be better than everybody expected, but they're three and two. Uh, we did see the wizards last year got off to a really fast start and it faded. And I anticipate the same will happen again. But if they're competitive, then you're really looking at almost 11 teams in the East that are competitive. And then on the downside, again, I think the Magic have a lot of talent, not stunned that they're 0-5 or the Pistons are 1-4. We know, obviously, uh, there's a Wemby focus for a lot of these these teams and that they're actually going to try to go more the other direction to get as high up in the lottery as they can. But the Sixers at 1-4, the Nets at 1-3, the Heat at two and three. What's your biggest surprise in the Eastern Conference so far? I would honestly say I would lean Wizards. Um, and you mentioned it, but I think the last season, the fact that they got up to a fast start makes you think that this will happen again. But I actually like their roster construction a little bit. Like just looking at the way they played, adding Monte Morris, uh, the way that he's kind of run the offense in a way. Uh, I look at the way even they played the other night and watching their back, uh, their front court on the bench with Hachimura and Gafford. Like it's a pretty solid roster when you look at it like that. Uh, and the fact that they're three and one, like you said, they're fifth in the Easter conference. Uh, Kuzma's played really well, even though he hasn't shot it super well from three, like he's averaging 21 a game. Uh, and then you get to the fact that you have still have Bradley Beal and, and Christoph Porzingis who have like an incredible two man game, because like, how do you guard that a lot of the time? Like when you have a, a elite pull up threat and a three level score in Bradley Beal, and then a guy that can roll in pop out at seven, three, like if they're playing at a high level, both of them, it's a hard action to stop. Uh, and then the other guy on their team I wanted to mention that's been playing really well is just Will Barton. Like that was a really good addition, I think, as well, just to be that type of creator. You're shooting, I think, 54% from three, which once again, these numbers uh, were four games in. So like when you're looking at offensive ratings, defensive ratings, uh, pure numbers, like it's just not going to last. But I like the additions that they made that I think they're an interesting and fun team to watch, to be honest, because they have a little bit of depth when you look down the roster. Uh, when you look at the opposite side of the spectrum, I think it's a surprise, even though I'll say, I wouldn't say I'm too surprised, but Philadelphia being one and four still is surprising. Like I, I've had my doubts on uh, what they can do offensively. And they've actually been a pretty decent offensive team in terms of offensive rating, even though uh, it's been a different style uh, with James Harden, just kind of dominating the ball uh, and beats still getting up to 27, 28 points a game range which is uh, what you'd kind of want, but their, their structure in general is just not what you'd want to start the season. Like one in four, the defense hasn't been what you want it. I know there's been a lot of talk about Joel Embiid and where he's been because he's been an elite rim protector over time. And then uh, that really hasn't been the case. Like they are just uh, absolutely 26th in defensive rating. Like, if you're going to have moments where the offense is going go, uh, to be clunky, which is going to happen, like P.J. Tucker being in the corner, they're going to help off of you. Tyrese Maxey 
kind of staying off the ball because they're running the same two-man action over and over. Like, that's going to happen. They can't have a 26 defensive rating and think it's going to last. But uh, the reason I say it's surprising is because I felt like this was a regular season team. Like, I thought they'd actually be really good in the regular season, that top two, top one range. But they still could. It's still early in the season. Uh, I just think the playoff-wise, if they don't fix this style of play, it's going to be easy for teams to kind of uh, scheme them out of things. Like even last night, they played Toronto and I think Toronto is a terrible matchup for them. Like the the things that Toronto could do defensively and the way they could switch around and the way they could double you if James Harden's not getting the ball out quick enough. Like uh, I just like that matchup in general and I know we saw it last postseason. Uh, so there's a couple of interesting, I guess, surprises down the line. I will say, you mentioned the Magic. I thought they had a decent roster to the fact that they're 0-5. Like I thought they'd, at least to start the season, especially with the way Paolo's playing, I thought they'd have a couple wins uh, or at least be a little bit better in the wind column. So uh, once again, it's so early in the season, I guess, for some of this, this stuff to be surprising. Uh, and the Bucks have looked really good. Like the fact that they've only played three games uh, and you mentioned no Middleton. Like I think the way that they play when they have Brooke Lopez healthy, they are an elite defense. Like the way that they can run things, like going back to last night as well, uh, when we're recording this, they're playing against Brooklyn. The way that they have Brooke Lopez just basically protecting the rim and he had something like six blocks. And then you have Giannis guarding Ben Simmons and saying, I'm going to dip all the way off of this guy and I can be an elite helper. Like the stuff that they can do defensively uh, is pretty interesting. So I guess this is just stuff to monitor to see how they, they kind of change moving forward. But, you know, I think there is some surprising elements here to start the season. All right. So let me give you a couple of questions here on the East before we go out West. If I was to say to you, who figures it out first, the Nets or the Sixers, you say? I would probably lean... Honestly, the Sixers, to be honest, even though I just talked about that, I just think the Nets are so dependent on just shot making that mm-hmm. it just comes down to even the other night when they had Durant and Kyrie each had 37, uh, they lost against Memphis because Bain and, and Ja had 38. Like It's just so dependent on shot making in general that if that's not working, they don't really have another base. I trust that Philly can figure it out defensively because we've seen it, I guess. And I think P.J. Tucker adding to the mix and being able to guard your best player and they can run different different coverages fixes that. Uh, they just have to get Tyrese Maxey involved. So I think there's elements to say there's there's a, a, a walkway to kind of figure this out where the Nets uh, is just a little different for me because it's just like, what is Ben Simmons going to do? Like, what is he going to do from here when he's not, when you have Kyrie yell at him to shoot at Ben? Like, what are you going to do with that when he's not being aggressive in that way uh, and having like seven or less points a game? It's just hard, I guess, from that point on to figure it out. Wizards or Knicks? I'd say Knicks. I think the Knicks are the better team right now. I, I think uh, as much as I said, I like their roster construction with, in Washington. I just think the Knicks have a little bit more options. Uh, last night, I know they squeezed out a win uh, against Charlotte. And Charlotte's been another team that's actually been surprising. Like no Miles Bridges, no LaMelo Ball. And they're out here at uh, two and two and actually have been a top offense in general. Uh, but I think the Knicks having to get RJ more involved, I guess, offensively and more of their actions. Jalen Brunson has played well. Uh, there's things, I guess, there's more confidence there where I think they're just kind of that that playing team range where the Washington's going to kind of be on the outside looking in. All right, let's go to the Western Conference here. And I, I just love looking at this. That's all. <laughs> because because it, it's so antithetical to both of their aims, okay? The Lakers are trying to win now. I mean, they have LeBron. I mean, I had a conversation with Kobe Altman and David Griffin when I was up in Cleveland in 2014-15, and they were talking about their strategy with LeBron. And they're like, you have to throw out all team building strategies when you have LeBron because you just never know how long you're going to have him. You don't know how long his window is going to be. And you have to win then. And you even look at what the Heat did in 2010 through 2014. They brought in win now players all the way along. They never developed anybody. The only guy they came close to developing, I guess you could say Norris Cole was their draft pick and and they mixed him in. Okay. But everybody else, 
It was the Rashard Lewis's. It was the reclamation projects with Eddie Curry and Michael Beasley that didn't work out. It was that, that was the direction they got. Of course, it was Ray Allen and it was Shane Battier, like ready-made players who could win immediately, right? What could all of them do? Shoot, okay? I mean, all of them, okay? Whether it was Rashard or whether it was Ray or whether it was Mike Miller or whether it was Shane, or, 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 or Shane Battier, they all could shoot. LeBron left to his own devices running the team basically in LA with an agent who's a de facto general manager who for some reason just got a huge extension in Palenka. They did everything but provide shooting for him. Or let's just put it this way. He did everything but provide shooting for himself. And they are historically bad right now. Like they cannot shoot. And I was looking at their schedule and I think it's really reasonable that they could be 0-7 before they get a win. And that would be against Utah, a team that is trying to lose is the total opposite, but is winning. They're four and one so far. Danny Ainge, you know, picked up all those draft picks, but they're trying to compete to get in the top three this year in the lottery. And all of it, they got Laurie Markin in averaging 23 points a game or something like that on high efficiency. And they almost are too good at the moment. So I'll just <laughs> ask you this question. In 30 games, who has a better record? The Lakers or the Jazz? Oh my God. That, that's a question before the season where we would not expect that. It, it's tough because, like, I honestly might say Jazz, if this roster stays the same, my question is, are they going to, let's say, throw Clarkson to a team? If, like, you're talking about the tanking thing, then I'll say Lakers. But if this is the roster, I might lean them because they just play a fun brand of basketball. Like, watching them play, like, they don't have a main guy. Like, they just have a bunch of guys that are unselfish. The fact when you look at their roster, I wouldn't think they'd be a team that's just like absolutely dominating, like in transition, but they've been like a high paced team where they're running the floor with Clarkson. You mentioned Mark Markinen, who's like been very, very good. Like the fact that uh, stretching the floor outside, he's been an inside threat. They have a bunch of big man passers. I think Linux played really well and kind of playing more of his role in Miami, like where he was running some of this handoff stuff and be able to create on the roll a little bit. Like we're seeing some of that. Uh, they're just a fun team in general. When you look down the line, like the fact that they're they're playing bigger, like we like think of marketing in Cleveland when they played bigger. That's what the Jazz are kind of doing with kind of an elite. Uh, I wouldn't say elite, but a top scorer in Clarkson. He was just six man, and now he's being able to kind of play a different role. So uh, I'd probably lean the Jazz in that way. And also Colin Sexton's been playing really well too. So they're just a fun team. So if they have this roster, I'd probably lean them. But it's no doubt. Like when you're talking about the Lakers. I just don't know how you figure that out. Like they've been really good defensively. Like that should be mentioned. Like they're 0-4 and they've been very good defensively. The offense is just that bad that you can't really do anything about it because Kendrick Nunn is a uh, pretty much your best shooter on the team. Like you can't really get by that when you have LeBron who just wants needs to get downhill. Like you have LeBron AD pick and rolls that they try to go empty corner and just because that's the only way to provide spacing. And then all of a sudden this guy's helping from the opposite corner down to basically double because they don't trust these guys. They don't trust Beverly and Westbrook sitting on weak side. So uh, it's tough to say, but I don't, I don't really see it getting much better from the other thing that I've noticed about the West and, and actually to a degree, the East is usually at this point of the season, you still have an unbeaten or two. And I think, oh, and now we just have the bucks who are three and O as we're recording this. But you don't have any in the West at this moment. You've got five teams with one loss, the Blazers, the Jazz. I think the Blazers are a surprise. We saw Lillard get hurt last night against the Heat. We'll see how long that keeps him out. I liked a lot of what they did in the offseason, and I thought they potentially could be better than a play-in team. The Suns, even with all the dysfunction over the summer, start 3-1. and one. The Pelicans, I, I think, again, we anticipated maybe they'd get off to a hot start this year now that they're healthy and they've got playoff experience from last season or at least playing experience. Uh, three and one and the Grizzlies three and one, not a huge surprise. The Nuggets Spurs Spurs are a surprise. The Timberwolves are three and two, but I think 
what has played out so far, even though the teams have been different than we anticipated, and again, the Warriors and Clippers are just two and two at this stage, is that there is tremendous parity, I think, among the top, say, I don't know, 10 teams in the league. And then I think that other bracket of 10 teams, and we are going to see teams fall out on purpose now. Okay. I think as we get until the middle of December, there are going to be teams that recognize they cannot make a run for the play in or past it. And they are going to start selling off assets. I think as, as boring as an off season, as we saw, we are going to have a high activity season in terms of transactions, because I, I do think there are teams that are going to want to race to the bottom and there are other teams that are going to see an opportunity because there is no clear title favorite this year. There are eight to 10 teams that could win a championship. I know in talking to people in the Heat organization, they have felt that way. Very few had the Warriors before last season. Even with the Warriors having more talent this year, there's more dysfunction there this season. So we'll see how this plays out. But give me one more surprise before we go here in the Western Conference. Yeah, you were going down the list. And I, I think the Spurs deserve that type of shout out because – I don't, that's another team that everybody was talking about tanking wise, and they've actually played really well. Like similarly to the Jazz, uh, I like the way that they push pace in the open core, which they're not as surprising that they're running in transition because they have a bunch of young guys that can actually do it. But they move the ball at a similar level. They just like uh, play well together. I think Keldon Johnson doing what he's able to do. Like Keldon Johnson has looked very good. Like he got the contract extension. Uh, you see what he's able to do is like a number one option on a team. Obviously a bad team, but uh, the attacking, the shooting, like everything along those lines in terms of like three level scoring shot creation. Uh, he's been that. Then you have Vassell out of Florida State that's able to kind of be that movement shooter uh, that's played really well. You have Yaka Pertle, which who knows if he's going to be uh, in San Antonio through the rest of the season because he's just that skilled of a big man that teams could probably use him. But they have a certain play style that they've embraced, that they have the, the necessary kind of movement shooting in that way. They have Kellen Johnson, who's that kind of head guy, t- like top guy. Uh, and they have passing big men. Like, if there's one build that I absolutely love running an offense around when I like like watching is when they they have big men that can run at the top of the key or, or high post and be able to play make over the top. Like, it's just so hard to stop because if you're pulling the opposing big man away from the rim as far as possible and just running movement sets, it's just so hard to stop, especially when there's a bunch of young guys with fresh legs that are not going to basically nonstop uh, move. So I think they've been a surprise. And you hit on the other one watching the Blazers last night. Uh, I know they got their first loss of the season, but they I, I like the roster construction as well because you have two elite pull-up threats that are basically could kill you. Uh, if you run high pick and rolls, like you have to basically go over or chase you out because even if you're a couple feet beyond the three-point line, you're going to sit there with Damian Lillard uh, and try to chase him off because he's that elite from deep. Uh, and I think the Jeremy Grant pickup was good too. Like the defensive versatility, he puts a little pressure on the rim when they need it at the four position. Uh, so I think they're a pretty interesting team. I think they're going to be in that playing range as well. And it's just getting to watch Damian Lillard in a playoff atmosphere, even if it's play in, is is a, is a good thing. Like I, I think everybody would want to watch that again after seeing Damian Lillard in the past. Well, I think we thought there were 10 or 11 teams for the eight spots or plus, well, the play-in ultimately for the 10. We'll see if the Lakers are one of them. But the fact that Portland is solidifying itself uh, makes it more challenging. And I I don't see room for the Lakers even in the play-in this year. We'll see how that plays out. But I, I see 10 teams better than them. I, I, I do. And I know that, again, there are going to be teams that try to drop out of this thing intentionally, but some of them are going to wait a little bit longer. Portland is not selling off Dame at this point if they're competitive, if they put a decent team around him. But I always wait for the fades. We, we talked about Washington last year, and then they kind of became what they've always been. So I would anticipate the Spurs and the Jazz are going to fade. 
The question is teams like Portland, which could kind of go either way, which way do they go? And I, I, I think it looks like with their, again, their roster construction, provided the Dame injury last night is not serious, that they actually are a position where they could see themselves as a top six seed in the Western Conference. But there are a lot of teams that see themselves that way. I think the Pelicans see themselves that way. I think the Wolves definitely see themselves this way. They got to get dividends uh, from that deal. That's a team I think we're going to drill down on in the first couple of weeks here because they're interesting. How the Gobert thing works with Towns and whether or not he's going to be played off the floor. These are the types of things we're going to talk about uh, here on the step back. So thanks to Brady for joining. We'll have more guests next week, more bells and whistles next week. We just wanted to get one up and posted again. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at five reasons sports follow Brady at Brady Hawk three Oh five. We'll have a Twitter account that's attached to this as well, which is going to be the underscore step underscore back. So we'll be, providing content from this podcast when we have special guests. We will be looking to get player and coach guests as we go forward as well. So we're basically taking the five on the floor brand with the heat and expanding it nationally. Uh, And we think you're going to appreciate what we do here because it's not just going to be the same three topics all day long on six different shows so that uh, somebody with three initials can scream about it. Have a good day, everybody. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.